0: A former employee of Smoke and Joe's Corner is in jail tonight on three counts of murder. Police say 19-year-old Ralph Stokes of West Philadelphia gunned down three people during a robbery last Thursday at the restaurant in the Winfield section of the city. One time heavyweight boxing champ Joe Frazier is a part owner of the eatery. Frazier was not at the restaurant at the time of the incident. Police are searching for a second suspect whose identity has not been released. Lieutenant Edward Funk says several thousand dollars was taken during the robbery and has not yet been recovered. Police arrested Stokes without incident at his home Tuesday evening, and charged him with three counts of murder, two counts of attempted murder, two counts of reckless endangerment, and two counts of aggravated assault. Stokes was also charged with one count each of robbery, theft, conspiracy, receiving stolen property, and firearms violations. Funk said Stokes once worked at the restaurant but did not know when the suspect's employment ended or the circumstances under which he left the job. According to police, two employees who witnessed the murders said one of the victims, 38-year-old restaurant co-manager, Mary Louise Figueroa, apparently recognized the voice of one of the suspects, both of whom wore red ski masks. Employees told police Mrs. Figueroa said, I can't believe they're doing this to us. Police say the gunman herded four restaurant employees into a walk-in freezer shot the lock off the restaurant safe then rifled through the safe they then returned to the freezer and opened fire killing mrs figueroa and 35 year old eugene jefferson a dishwasher at the restaurant police say the other two employees were not injured police say the third victim 23 year old postal worker peter santangelo apparently walked into the restaurant to deliver mail during the robbery and was gunned down as he tried to flee
1: From death by incarceration and in association with Crawl Space Media, this is Injustice, an advocacy-focused wrongful conviction podcast. Welcome back to episode two of Injustice. So in episode one, we really just laid out the foundation of the case. Uh, we ran through the crime, the, the events of the day, March 11th, 1982. You also heard from Ralph for the first time. And I think the listeners got a really good sense of who Ralph is, don't you think so, Lisa?
2: I think so. I love that our listeners got to hear directly from him about his interests and what his life was like, you know, prior to this crime.
1: Okay, so now in episode two, uh, we in- we introduce Maggie Freeling into the conversation. Um, hopefully, most people listening. We'll already know who Maggie is. Uh, she's a fucking rock star when it comes to wrongful conviction, podcasting, journalism. Um, from the award-winning Suave podcast, uh, Unjust and Unsolved, uh, Murder and Alliance, and her new one is Wrongful Conviction with Maggie Freeling.
2: That's correct.
1: All right. Um, she's, she's also one of Lisa's best friends, definitely a friend of the podcast, uh, so we hear from her. Beyond that, we hear from some of the principals in the case, uh, from co-defendant Donald Jackson, uh, his associate Eric Burley, and Reynard Mills. The latter of two also have some culpability when it comes to this case. Uh, Lisa, as so we start to kind of get into the meat of the case, what, what do you want to say about this portion?
2: Well, I think this is where we start to kind of explore, you know, who alternate suspects or alternate perpetrators might be. And it's kind of interesting to see how plausible um, and likely those suspects were, especially in comparison to Ralph. Um, This is, you know, not to say any of these cases are a no-brainer, but some of these suspects were no-brainers.
1: Right. Okay. Well, this is episode two. Let's get into it.
3: My name is Maggie Freeling. I am a podcaster and journalist, and I predominantly work in wrongful convictions.
1: We want to specifically talk about Ralph's case and then sort of transition into advocacy work in general. So okay. if we you know if we start with Ralph's case, I know that Lisa had initially brought this case to you when you did your episode of Unjust and Unsolved. And if I recall from that, you were a little bit hesitant at first to take the case. Mm -hmm. What was it that brought you around on his case?
3: I think, you know, well, let me say that the reason I was hesitant, and maybe Lisa has said this in in other uh, episodes, but is just that, you know, I, I usually am more comfortable taking a case that has been vetted by a PI or an innocence project or, you know some outside source that has taken a a second, third, fourth look and like, you know, has said like, this is pretty solid with Ralph's, you know, that's, that's why Lisa and myself, you know, feel so passionately about it is because no one has really done that. So I was hesitant to look at it just because it didn't have that vetting. You know, of course I trust Lisa, which is great. So, you know, I, I opened the case file and really what sold me is when I just started reading it and talking with Lisa and asking questions and going back and forth with her and saying, you know, well, what's up with this? What's up with this? I really, you know, just, just the evidence and knowing it's a Roger King case. At the minimum, it should it deserves a second look because it's a Roger King case. So So there were a few selling factors actually
1: yeah roger king is definitely a recurring character on our podcasts Uh, you know from our our first one we did we're we're going through Ralphs now we're going to try to have jimmy dennis on in a couple of days Mm -hmm. since he knows ralph so well so yeah so you you become familiar with the project and now you're not only all in you're you're now recruiting people troy is on the staff now that's awesome and he even got an in-person visit so i'm a little bit jealous i hope to, to get over and see ralph one of these days this is okay i want to ask you a question cuz lisa and i were talking about this last night do you have a theory on this case lisa's theory is that donald jackson is the shooter the more i read it i feel like it's eric burley whose team are you on maggie this is very important
3: <laughs> i you know what to me it's like I think I've probably gone back and forth on on which one. I think I was always under the impression it was Burley, but either way, for me, I mean, there's two people who are are significantly better persons of interest than Ralph ever ever was. So you know, that's it's just sad and horrifying that this happened when there's two people who, you know, are uh, should have really been looked at.
1: What do you think is would be the most compelling? reason that could you know at a minimum get Ralph back in court
3: I mean the only only thing that would get him back in court really is new evidence you know and I think that's possible because I think like we've said his case was never given a fair shake even after his conviction it really needs somebody to closely examine it, you know, a PI to work on it and find new, new evidence that I think exists, especially because we know that Larry Krasner has given um, his team, all of these boxes of files from the DA's office. That is probably a lot of stuff that they've never seen before. You know, I think that's what'll get him back in court. And I think there's a really good chance of that happening.
2: Well, and remember too, he still has that habeas pending. Mm-hmm so that's still there that's still something that they can rule on you know they they have been given files by the da's office there most certainly will be new things in there that they could add to the habeas that's already pending and i mean the other alternative to me which is just a no-brainer is submitting the case to the to the conviction integrity unit you know which is something that could be done right now you know so i think there are a couple options it's just if people are if people are willing to, you know, pursue every option now, I, I'm of the like mindset that he's been there 40 years. What are we waiting for? You know, submit this to the CIU. He, you know, the time that he's been down.
3: Um, well, yeah, I think the CIU is another, you know, really great option. Um, that for 40 years has not been used it blows my mind. But I think you know he needs to submit to the CIU, right.
1: Yeah, I mean on the the lab test results alone that were that were hidden from court. I mean that's just sitting there in that in that habeas file and I mean you would think that that, that at a minimum would get this thing back in court but <sighs> fucking Roger King. So there's uh six witnesses and a couple of other key uh, subjects and moved right into Donald Jackson. So Donald Jackson is the one other person who is currently in prison for this crime. He's the only other person that got charged. Like you said, he was a career criminal, habitual felon, had been in and out of prison for, for years. And so he... You know, he testified that he was there. He took part of it, but he always maintained that Ralph was the person with him and Ralph is the one that pulled the trigger. So, I mean, Donald Jackson had a lot to gain by pointing the finger at someone else. He, I mean, he was, I think he was on probation, on parole. He was already oh. on parole, right? So yeah. walking in was already a violation. Correct. Okay, so the parole violation was for uh, burglary and gun charges, and he also had a failure to appear pending for his part in a robbery, making terroristic threats, firearms violation, conspiracy, and reckless endangerment. So he had a case pending on all of that stuff, had a failure to appear, and, uh, spoiler alert, he never gets charged for any of that. So he had also recently committed an armed and pretty violent from what I understand, home invasion style robbery, Correct. Uh, a robbery, burglary and assault against a couple of people, three people while wearing a ski mask. So the man, the man has a, a history. So he's while he's in custody He's told that Ralph is in the other room and that before he flips on you, you should flip on him. First person to talk gets a better deal. Classic Elliot Stabler. That's what he did. That's what he pulled on him, a classic Elliot Stabler. So he thinks that he can get off on Smoke and Joe's case and his home invasion if he cooperates with the police, right?
2: After the crime, Donald Jackson and another involved person involved in this whole mess Eric Burley absconded from Philadelphia and the reports were that Donald Jackson absconded dressed as a woman to an ex-girlfriend's house in New Jersey the timing is remarkable if he wants to say that you know he's not involved or or he's not the ringleader of it there's no real evidence that he and Ralph knew each other Prior to this, they knew of each other, I believe they knew, you know, Ralph knew his name anyway and who he was, but they didn't know each other or run with each other. And I think anybody in Donald Jackson's shoes with a record like his would have jumped at any opportunity to place the blame on somebody else. And for whatever reason, I think Roger King had already decided that Ralph was the one that was going to be held accountable for this crime whatever the reason I mean I, I have no idea what in his mind made him actually believe this but that's the road he was going and they threw this bone to Donald Jackson to get life and not death not have the death penalty be possible for him I mean if you're there and you're a party to the crime you would be as you know yeah. culpable and, and and you know subject to the same sort of punishment as the other one but yeah. he had the opportunity to get out from underneath that. And that's exactly what he did. And I think, you know, that's not very hard for people to understand. No. So.
1: No. And so, you know, Roger King did what Roger King does. He, you know, somehow got the court to throw out a bunch of Jackson's previous crimes so right. that the defense could not, could not impeach his credibility. I mean, they threw out all but a, a couple one of which was an open case at the time of the crime, but was miraculously dismissed afterwards. The investigation as a whole was was so heavy-handed. Investigators connect Jackson to the home invasion through their investigation into Smoke and Joe's. They contacted him through his girlfriend, arranged his surrender, basically telling him, We know Stokes is the shooter. Come in and give a statement before he falsely accuses you. And it should be noted that Ralph was never offered any type of deal like this. And that the death penalty was on the table from day one. Well, I mean, that tells you right there that, that King had his sights set on Ralph. The, the investigation, they never offered Ralph the opportunity to flip on anybody else. They, well, because- they, it, was, it was directed at him the whole time.
2: Well, because he didn't know anything about the crime and he didn't have anyone else to throw under the bus either. You know, if you don't know anything about it, it's hard to do anything except say, I don't know anything about this, right. you know, but looking at the history, the criminal history, you know, looking at Donald Jackson on one side and Ralph on the other, you know, it's shocking to me that they actually not only like enter even just entertained the story. But that they went after it so hard, and they were able to accomplish their goal in, in convicting him and, and getting Ralph sentenced to death row. Yeah. Isn't that remarkable? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's doesn't even seem possible. You know, when you look at the, the lack of evidence, I mean, you know, we'll get into that later, I guess. But when you look at the, the evidence that was used at trial that turns out to not be true, And then you look at at all of the witnesses and what they, what each of them had to gain by testifying against him. It's really shocking.
1: It, It is. We'll pick it up on the other side of this break. As we listen to a word from today's sponsors. All right. So Donald Jackson pled guilty to the charges connected to this case, robbery, conspiracy, and second degree murder and was given a life sentence. And as as we know, in Philadelphia, a life sentence is basically a death sentence, right? That's right. what that means. They used him,
4: and then when trial came, they didn't even call him as a witness. Someone that I supposed to told him that I did this. They didn't even use him. So they used him to get me in jail. And then, I, I don't want to use word karma or anything like that, but eventually... Later on, months later, you can find an article. He was up Germantown. He got accused of uh, robbing a woman or something. The police was chasing him down the streets. And they shot him, shot him in the back. And he'd been paralyzed from, I think, the neck down ever since then. he been in a wheelchair right now. said anything to him. A lawyer, Malcolm Walger, said anything to him. But that's something I've been thinking about recently because if the case, if it all starts on false evidence, how do it go further when you know what you have is is false? So I wanted someone to talk to him today, even though I, I talked to my lawyer about this and she she said you make a good point, but the thing is they talk about they came with other stuff, Donald Jackson and all of them later on, but still no matter what, they started off, you know, with evidence they knew they created to get me in prison. So, it, you know, it's a famous saying they use fruits, the, I guess fruits of the poisonous tree, I'm trying to remember how I'd go, something that started out false, how wrong, how could it ever be right? You can't yep. never make it right because it started off false. It's not, it's not right. You know, so that's, that's what they, uh, they did. I never really had anyone to go talk to him. I had someone that was willing to, but it, that didn't pan out. I have to make sure they do it right in the night. I think it might be best for a lawyer for whatever statement he may want to give at that time so he don't come back later on and uh, change his mind. But he had had a bunch of cases. He had a bunch of cases at that time, I think robberies. And all of a sudden,
1: all of them went away. You mentioned Eric Burley. Burley's testimony was that Ralph and Donald Jackson come to his house right after the robbery. They split up the proceeds, they stash the gun, all that stuff. While they're there, they see a news report come on come on the TV and claims that Ralph basically says I did it. The defense they they paint Burley as the second suspect. The story that he tells about them coming to the apartment and, you know, taking out guns, there's there's this, this whole thing where he takes a gun, a, allegedly the murder weapon, he goes and he stashes it under a flower pot or something. He then gets nervous that the gun is hidden there, someone might find it, so he goes and he gets it, and then he has it for a little while, he gets nervous again, so he takes it back and hides it in the exact same place? Is that the way you understand that happened?
2: That's the way that it's explained. It it defies any kind of common sense whatsoever, but that's the way it's explained.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Burley was definitely the second suspect. I I mean, I, I think we can... It's. I think it's pretty clear. Maybe we can't say that he definitively is, but... I think it's pretty clear that he he was. And there's a man, uh, another man, Eric Burrell. He will later testify that, and this is what you were just saying, that that Jackson and Burley, he had seen the two of them a couple of days after the crime, you know, standing on a street corner waiting for a car. They were both dressed as women. Or they were were waiting for for a car, or they were on their way to steal a car. One way or another, they they get into a car— they head off to New Jersey and they're there for a couple of weeks
2: before they're arrested again.
1: Right. That's where it's, there's also a little bit unclear. Did they get arrested or is that when they arranged his surrender through Jackson's girlfriend?
2: No, they were arrested for okay. a car for robbing oh, for, a car. For a
1: stolen car. And oh.
2: then that those charges like when you try to look anything like that up, it just doesn't exist. Right. Period. But it's in I think it's in Celeste report if you go back. Okay.
1: So similar to Jackson's story with charges disappearing, there was a there was an attempted murder charge against Burley that was essentially dismissed in September of eighty three the following year, after Ralph's case had ended. So, you know, the question is: Did he get coached by King, or or coerced, or instructed in any way? I mean, he he certainly had reason to lie. He changed. He so he changes his story a couple of times. The the second time he talks to King is when he implicates Ralph. Right. The first the first time Ralph's name never came up. Right. Burley's aggravated assault case where he had fired at someone, shot someone in the leg, shot someone in the knee, and the gun that he used was a black revolver, a a thirty-eight caliber handgun, which coincidentally is exactly like the one that he ends up placing in in Ralph's hands in his statement. So he basically identifies the murder weapon that he had used. (laughs) He just tried to put it in someone else's hands and it just I mean he's another person with a violent history of crime including the use of firearms and Ralph for his part at this at that point in time had only ever the only trouble he'd ever been in and I think we talked about that previously was a couple of tickets on his moped right okay this is where I want to talk about theories you have told me and this is keeping with the way the reports are, that Donald Jackson is the shooter. The defense counsel tried to link him, or, or, or tried to put the gun in his hands, but they couldn't. I, uh, my theory.
2: Well, they imply it. They imp- I mean, they, that's their that's their theory of the crime,
1: right? Right. Yeah, that's the defense's theory. Correct. My theory is different. I think Burley was the shooter. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 maybe it's. Maybe it's a hunch, maybe it's gut, I, I don't know. So Donald Jackson had been romantically linked to Eric Burley's aunt. And, you know, Eric Burley was 16 years old. Donald Jackson wasn't much older, but he was older. It just feels to me like Jackson took Burley under his wing and is protecting him. You know, you know more about the case, so I, I, maybe this is completely out of left field.
2: It's Look, what you're saying is not, I can't definitively prove that you're wrong. But what I would say is that if Roger King had wanted Burley implicated in the crime, Donald Jackson would have been happy to throw him under the bus. He wanted off of his own charges. He's not a person that cares about the truth, really. And I think he thought, I think he picked up quickly what Roger King wanted from him. And that's what he gave him nothing more and nothing less. If Donald Jackson and Eric Burley were painted as a, as a pair of doing all this together in front of the jury, then Ralph is third man out. And you don't, and that wouldn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? Like it would have been much harder to prove even just a tie. There was never a tie shown that really put them together, Jackson and Stokes together, but it would have looked to me, it would have looked much more strange, if the theory is that the three of them do this together, because there was no tie. The other two had been had been tied together doing crimes before. Even though King was largely successful in keeping all of that out, you know they had done all of that before. Yeah.
1: All right. So that's Jackson and Burley. They're they're kind of the the main the main players, so to speak. You know during during their uh, respective testimonies in this. The, the defense was horribly inadequate. Their credibility should have been questioned all along. More, I mean, more investigations should have been done on the defense's side. And in fact, what, what I remember reading is that the only investigator that the defense used was the wife of the janitor that worked in the building where defense counsel worked. Is that correct?
2: I know that the attorney for Ralph did not have enough time or resources. He had asked for more time and he was denied that he was to read the transcripts. He makes a lot of errors that would make him look foolish in front of the jury. And, you know, the only person that's going to suffer from that is Ralph. Yeah. He did subpar work on a case where someone's life is hanging in the balance, but you're up against the Commonwealth with basically unlimited resources, you know, to to investigate or, or to paint this picture however they want. So,
1: yeah. All right. Is that
2: true? I don't know that I ever read that about the investigator.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's in there. It,
2: that sounds so fucked up.
1: It does. It really I does. Know it
2: doesn't even surprise me, but
1: no. wow. Yeah, the way everything else
4: goes. Eric. Rowling's mother told the police that both of them got arrested in New Jersey she said they're in jail right now we got arrested over in Jersey for a stolen car now why his mother would make a lie like this I have no idea but when they go look for the case they can't find the case nowhere. but Roger King this is his history of making stuff like this go away I didn't. I didn't see the evidence in other people' cases. I follow other people' cases to see stuff that he has done. Uh, yeah, I know. In 1981, he was the feds was investigating him on a case. It's in a document, I think Lisa got, but a case was in charge of his board against him. But the piece of paper we have, you can see where everything was redacted, so you couldn't see what they was investigating with. You know, what's his name, Chester Holman's case, outright lied to the judge. No, they asked for a piece of evidence. No, we don't. We don't have it. Look at the judge repeatedly a few times. But when he died, they get the the DA's file. And the evidence, he looked right in the judge's face and told me they didn't have, here it is. Here it is. I'm just hoping everything else to be found. Because there's a history that things, they take things, things don't never get found. Jimmy Dennis, his evidence, he signed out, they got proof he signed it out. Evidence is never found again. Charges and numbers brought up against him physical evidence they got his signature he signed it out you know sometimes I feel like I take one step forward two steps backward you know then I gotta poke and pry these lawyers to do their job get investigated out there I don't know if Lisa ever took this there is something else okay
2: I'll talk to him I'm about it about,
4: you talk to him no I will okay yeah, it's, if they can find this, it, which is totally blow my whole case up. Cool. That's something they found two days later. Wow. And these these lawyers that I have, they found it in 2004, and they never did nothing. Never told me about it. All right. I just found out last May from an investigator.
1: Okay, so Renard Mills, we talked about him previously. I don't even know where to start. So he he was initially picked up as a suspect. A couple of days after the crime, police pick him up with the sole intention of giving him a polygraph test, which you don't do, you don't go right to that unless the police think that there's something, there's a reason that he might be involved. Mm
0: -hmm. So he's
1: the one that had the, the shaky eye identification that we were talking about earlier. So he's, in his statement, he says that he didn't recognize the perpetrator's voice, the person that, that shot the people that he was there with. But he would have been able to recognize Ralph's voice because they not only worked together there at Smoke and Joe's, before that they had worked together at another barbecue joint. Right. So his his testimony is is sketchy, his polygraph is sketchy. What's odd is why would he say stuff like, the eyes look like Trent if he was involved in trying to frame Ralph
2: I think that he would say that because it's very similar to what Mary Louise Figueroa said sounds like Ralph and if you're involved and you're not wanting to completely like completely implicate the wrong person you would say something like that to kind of like give yourself a bit of an out and it goes along with what she said so it's not going to be super suspect that's the way I've always thought it. She says one thing, and he grabs a hold of that and runs with it.
1: it. It seems to me that if Ralph had been involved, if Ralph was the one that opened the freezer that day and had killed Mary and them because they could ID him, he most certainly would have killed the one person who could definitely identify him because they, they knew each other very well. I, it just, I mean, I, again, circumstantial and, and weird and just sort of off the cuff, but it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. On the next episode of Injustice, he really is a a kind and gentle soul. He
2: is one of my favorite people. I never get off the phone depressed or feeling sorry for myself. I mean, he just has this way of kind of lifting you up and, you know, he's been able to persevere through so much adversity It's inspiring.
1: The police kind of got creative with their notes, repeatedly having crossed information out and rewritten over it.
2: It's not even like they're trying to hide the changes that they're making. No.
1: I was at home.
4: I heard about it. But it never crossed my mind that, you know, eventually they would be looking for me. But I did hear they was questioning or... Oh, Employees and former employees, then start asking about me and then telling me I need to turn myself in. But before the lawyers could get down there, they tried to ask me questions, they tried to slap me around. This this got to be a dream. This can't be real.
1: They claim that on different occasions that Ralph had approached them, and asked them to be a part of this plan that he had. That he was gonna get some money, that he was gonna he was gonna rob someplace. He may have specifically allegedly said smoke and Joe's Okay, one, I don't believe any of this, but who would? <laughs> I hate to keep saying it's a hallmark of Roger King. So his is another case where like testimony is a mess. King completely exploited the ineffective counsel. He was going to do whatever he
4: Wanted to do whatever he felt he needed to do to get a conviction. And if it lied, twist the evidence, he was going to do it. And he outright told the jury that my father was lying. He looked right in the jury's face and said he was lying. He was willing to do anything. But with these lawyers, you got to deal with the best hand you got.
1: He further states that I don't know exactly what time it was. It was approximately 11 after 2. That sounds like you know exactly when it was or or you're making up the story.
2: I mean, I just can't imagine hearing any of this and believing any of this is credible whatsoever. At the very beginning, they decided who did this. And everything that created a problem for that narrative, they ignored or they coerced or they fixed it in a way where they could get this to fly in front of a jury
1: so that wraps up episode two uh throw it to you lisa how do we want to leave today
2: well our call to action for today is to follow ralph's social media accounts um, basically they're all the same thing free ralph stokes on facebook instagram and twitter if you have any trouble finding them you can go to his website freeralphstokes.org, scroll to the bottom of the page and there are links there
1: Awesome. All right. That's it. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Bye. The Injustice Podcast is brought to you in association with death by incarceration. Thank you to Crawlspace Media. Sound Design, Audio Post Production, Jason Usri. Special thanks for original music to Binaldo Rivaldi. Check out all his great stuff on iTunes and Spotify, Bandcamp, wherever you get your music. Please support independent artists. Right now is a a real tough time for creatives. Go to InjusticePod.com for more information, including one of the great podcasts we are listening to. You can also find information to contact the hosts directly there. General inquiries can go to info at InjusticePod.com. Thank you for listening. This has been an Injustice production.